Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Well, if you'd turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter, again in chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 13 tonight. Sometimes we can be fearful. Um, Think of the words that we sing. When trials come, no longer fear, for in the pain our God draws near. Uh, We can often be fearful when we're facing something like surgery. And we're we're waiting and we're wondering, is it going to be okay? Is God going to bring me through this? I, I mean, and we can be fearful. Or, uh, in the circumstances of this hostile world that we live in, um, we can be afraid of what people will think of us. Um, if I say, there's no such thing as homosexual marriage. <laughs> if I say, marriage means a man and a woman together for a lifetime. That's what it means. We can be fearful of what others will say. They might call us delusional. Don't you know about Obergefell? They might call us delusional. They, 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 they might call us all kinds of things. They might hate us. And, and heap all kinds of things upon us, uh, accusing us of being evil. When we stand up and say, thus says the Lord about the morality of our day. Peter here tells us that we're not to be afraid. We're not to be afraid because... No one can hurt us. It doesn't feel like that. You know, uh, we've had florists and bakers who've had fines against them of hundreds of thousands of dollars and putting them out of business. We've had legal fees and all those kinds of things among our brothers and sisters. Can we really, does it really make sense to say no one can hurt us? But in the in the grand scheme of things, we cannot be hurt. Let's, uh, let's look at what our text tells us. Um, in verse 13, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 3. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ as the Lord, Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better for you to suffer for doing good 
If that should be God's will, then for doing evil. Let's pray. Father, help us to hear and heed these words. They can be frightening living in this hostile world. They can be frightening. We can be tempted to fear man. But Lord, help us, Lord, not to, not to fear what people can do to us, for you are, are our rock and our shield. Lord, you are our defender. You will vindicate us on the last day. Lord, help us, Lord, to, to believe your word. Help us, Lord, not to fear. In Jesus' name, amen. He begins, Now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? And as he asked this rhetorical question, we assume the answer is, no one. No one can harm you if you are zealous for what is good. And by those who are zealous for what is good, uh, I don't believe he's talking about some kind of a works righteousness or of some kind of a of a, a moral um, uh, a moralistic understanding. No, believers are the people who, when we experience the new birth, our faith uh, changes us. When, 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 when He gives us a new heart, we're changed into being a people who are zealous for good works. And if we prove to be people who are zealous for what is good, for righteousness, for justice, then there is no one to harm us. There is no one to harm us if we prove zealous for. If we are believers, no one can truly harm us. Now, Peter was talking to a congregation or congregations that were in the midst of persecution. Does this make sense to them? They were facing probably physical persecution and also slander against them. He talks often about not reviling against those who revile us. And so um, he, often what, 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 what they experienced was, was much like what we experienced. It was a, it was a social um, uh, kind of persecution. It was, it was uh, uh, be, being accused of things and slandered because of our uh, stance with what the Bible says. Peter here tells us, no one can ultimately harm you. No one can ultimately harm you if you are zealous for what is good. Verse 14 says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. In this... He acknowledges it's not that we won't suffer. He, he, he just said, um, no one can harm you. Who is there to harm you? No, no one. Who is there? To, but it, he just said, is there anyone who can harm you? Assuming the answer is no. But then he says, even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. We are going to experience suffering. Jesus promised it. Jesus promised that the world would hate us just like it hated Him. And 
He told us in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you when people cast insults against you and accuse you falsely, right? Straight out of the Sermon on the Mount. That's, those, those are straight out of the words of Jesus that Peter is probably drawing on here. Even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. We will still have joy in the midst of suffering as uh, chapter 1 told us. In this, we rejoice. Even though now for a little while, we are experiencing various kinds of trials. Peter tells us, have no fear of them. That is, the unbelievers who might cast insults and, and uh, accusations against us. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Don't let it concern us. But in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord as holy. There's a negative here, and there's a positive. Don't be fearful. That's the negative. That's the command. Don't be fearful. And on the positive side, but what are we supposed to do in contrast to being fearful? In contrast to being fearful, we are to sanctify Christ, the Lord, as holy in our hearts. Those two are in opposition to each other. If we are fearing human beings, then we don't have Jesus in His proper place. When we, Peter also tells us, you know, in, in, throughout the book, uh, we're not to fear man, but we're to fear God. And here, I think, um, whenever it tells us to sanctify Christ the Lord as holy uh, in our hearts, uh, that's, that's uh, another way of saying that we're not to fear man, but we're to fear God. Uh, we're to set apart Him. He's the one that we fear, apart from anybody else. We fe- we, we're not to fear all of the other people and what people c- might do to us, but no, we fear the Lord. We fear Christ, who is our Lord. We set Him apart as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. In addition to uh, setting apart Christ as holy and, and fearing Him so that that casts out the fear of what people might do to us, we also ought to be ready and prepared to give an answer. Um, this doesn't mean that we have to become experts in defending the faith. We don't have to be, uh, we don't have to be huge scholars. We just need to be People who, whenever we're challenged, we need to be ready to be able to say, this is why I believe in Jesus. This is, this is why I believe that this is true. It doesn't have to be some highfalutin scholarship. It's just a simple answer. I believe in Jesus and this is why. Be ready to, to give a hope. Now, there is a place for what we call apologetics. That's giving a defense for the faith. But what every believer can do, regardless of whether you've got tons of education or whether you're a high school graduate or a high school dropout, what every believer can do is to say, 
Yes, I believe in Jesus. And this is why. This is why I still believe in Jesus. So be ready to give a a reason for the hope that is in you. And that hope is what changes us. We have this hope of a future glory. We have a hope, a living hope that is an inheritance that we will that will never fade away, that will never perish, that is that is kept in heaven. It will always be completely satisfying, and there may be people who ask us, "Why are you so different? Why 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 do you insist on living this way when when the world is all against you, why do you continue and insist on... We give them the reason, and that's our hope. We, our hope is in that future glory that He has prepared for us. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you. To anyone who asks you. Anyone. Uh, some have, have suggested maybe this is in the, in the context of a courtroom where uh, believers may have been brought before a judge and said, you know, recant your faith or you'll get the death penalty or something like that. But that's not the case here. The, the text here is saying anybody who asks you. That's not just in the midst of a, some kind of a, a court situation or, or something like that. That's anyone. It, whether it's somebody at work who asks you, why are you so different? Or whether it's someone in your family, or whether it's someone you meet in the community, anyone. Always be ready to give an answer for why you hope in Jesus. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. We, we treat others with gentleness uh, while we're treated by the lost, by by a hostile world with, with hostility. We are to respond with gentleness when we give our answer. And here it says respect. And when we've seen this word respect throughout the book of First Peter, again, I want to remind us that word that's, used, that's translated respect here is fear. When it says do it with gentleness and respect, I don't think it's uh, meaning respecting the other person, although we should. But I think what Peter has in mind is doing it with gentleness towards the other person and fear of God. The fear of God. Um, we're, we're to remember that we're going to stand before Him one day and account for everything that we say. So when we give that answer to those who ask us about the hope that is in us, we do so with gentleness towards others And we do so with the fear of God before us. When was the last time someone asked us for a reason for the hope that was in us? Sometimes, I've heard it suggested that maybe the reason why we don't get asked that question, why are you so different, is because we've become so much like the world. That's another sermon. Then he says, having a good conscience. I think that's linked there. We're to do so in the fear of the Lord. Having a good conscience. We need to do what is right 
and not to have to be ashamed of, of the way we answer, but have a good conscience, a clear conscience before God and the way that we give our answer. So that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Um, what does he mean here? What does he mean here? Some point to this and suggest that, uh, uh, that it's evangelistic in its purpose. That we're to give an answer with gentleness and the fear of the Lord so that uh, um, people in this life will become ashamed of the way they, they used to treat Christians and that they will change. Um, or does he have in mind the, the last day? The last day on the day of judgment. Uh, I, I think it's the latter view here. Um, whenever Peter is discussing wives here, he, he, he kind of has an evangelistic um, end point, right? He's, he says that wives are to be submissive to their husbands so that even if they don't believe today, that, that, that one day they'll glorify God. And sometimes people, when they see our good behavior in Christ... They will be changed. They'll, they'll, they'll see the, the change that's taken over us and they will come to believe in Jesus. But others, when they slander us on that last day, they will, we will be vindicated. And they will be ashamed that they ever spoke against us on that day. That's not our goal. Our goal is the first it's evangelistic. We want, them to, we want them to come to know Jesus. But ultimately, we'll be vindicated. No one can harm us. In, in the grand scheme of things, who is there to harm you? No one. One day, He will raise us up in glory. One day, He will give us that future inheritance that will never pass away. He ends by saying, For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. This text, I think, is pretty troublesome for the prosperity preachers. It says that when we suffer, it's God's will. And it said that throughout 1 Peter many times. The prosperity preachers will say, oh, it's never God. God's will is always that you should be healed. Right? That's what the prosperity preachers say. But here, Peter is acknowledging it's better for us to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will. It is possible that it is God's will. In fact, any time that we face suffering, it's, it's within at least God's permission that we suffer. And it's better for us to suffer persecution, slander, being called all kinds of, of, of uh, accusations against us for doing good. That's God's will than for doing evil. So I'm going to conclude with this. Don't be afraid. In the midst of a hostile world, in the midst of 
an election year that is so divisive and so many times our, our moral understandings from the Bible get intertwined with politics and, and people get at our throat, get it, get it, you know, we get, people get it that they're at each other's throats about it. Be ready to give a, a reason for the hope that is in you. Don't fear. We will be vindicated one day. No one can harm us. Don't be afraid. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.